0: The famous general and art of war author Sun Tzu once said, In peace, prepare for war. In war, prepare for peace. The art of war is of vital importance to the state. It is a matter of life and death, a road either to safety or to ruin. Hence, under no circumstances can it be neglected. This is Bedlam. You are locked on Oklahoma State. Your daily podcast on the Oklahoma State Cowboys, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Howdy y'all and hello all! Welcome back to Locked On Oklahoma State, your daily stop for all things cowboy and cowgirl related. Thank you for making this your first stop to get your daily dose of Oklahoma State coverage here on Locked On Oklahoma State. Appreciate you stopping in today. We're partially brought to you by Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to spice up the football season for you. Yeah, I really like the the concept of approaching this thing like a war. Now, I get that this is not supposed to be um, a direct correlation. I'm not trying to say that at all. But in some ways it is, right? Is is real life, life or death at stake? No. But you could argue that there is some life or death at stake for OU. They have a massive amount of recruits that will be on hand for the game Saturday in Norman. Now the fun part about that is, obviously there's going to be some of these recruits that are considering Oklahoma State, so it's a win-win for us if we have a, a beautiful performance against you know OU in Norman to win the second back-to-back Bedlam in a very long time in front of all of these recruits. It's a it's a it's a bold move by OU to have this number of recruits that show up in Norman for this game. Right. Um, it's, it's, it's a bold move. And I love it. I absolutely love it. I think that, you know, the writings on the board, um, the haze in the barn, as they say. But you, if you think that I'm just going to tell you, generally speaking, that if we can shut down Eric Gray and we can find a way to run, then we're going to win. Then that's that's not really doing anybody any good. because You've probably heard that 137 times by now. So we're not going to go there. That's stating the obvious. So what I want to do today is break down each individual position, right? And we'll just do a kind of a, a calculated guess on what player you would take at each position. I tried to remove as much of the orange Kool Aid, uh, ten glasses that I could from this. So just going off of stats, it starts with the, the the top man, right? If you're comparing Dylan Gabriel, to Spencer Sanders, sorry. Spencer Sanders is still leading the Big 12 in total offense, even with him being out for a while, right? But Dylan Gabriel is no slouch, guys. Dylan Gabriel still has put up over 2,200 yards, and he's doing so at about a 64% completion percentage clip. He has 16 TDs. He has four picks. What Spencer Sanders adds, other than statistics, right? Yes, it's great that he's leading the Big 12 in total offense but you could just physically see what he offers to the team. Those dudes on the field want to fight for Spencer Sanders because whether they're feeling good about what's happening, whether they're feeling great about the game plan, whether they have some injuries or not, when you see your leader run on the field, knowing that he should not really be out there when you've heard for weeks about how banged up he is, is. guys, these, these players, they go to see the same trainers, they, they have the, the same managers give them tape and IVs on a daily basis. So to, to think that they're not aware of how banged up their quarterback is, it's just preposterous um, to, to think that. So what he offers is more than just stats. And to be honest with you, I watched quite a few of Dylan Gabriel's interviews. He's a good kid. There's I can't find anything to dislike about the kid. So, I just have to go off the fact that I know what Spencer does. Yes, he has better stats than Dylan Gabriel, but we all know it's more than just the stats that Spencer Sanders provides. So that's not a wash. That's a victory in the us department. And for those of us that are concerned about him possibly throwing 50 times, it's going to be like 30 degrees. We're going to either find a way to to run or I guess die trying, right? Right. This has to be the most creative game plan we've come up with this season when it comes to running the ball. Okay, so let's go to running back, knowing that's going to be a major, major factor. Eric Gray is 1,124 yards, y'all. The dude's certified. There's four running backs in the Big 12 at this very moment with over a 1,000 yards. There's three that hover over 1,100 yards. And that's just that's just scratching the surface. Okay, so what do we have? We have Dominic Richardson. Well, not only is he banged up, but is his 537 yards comparable to the 1124 yards put up by by Gray? I don't know. Whenever you factor in Spencer Sanders having 428 yards, that's where you kind of see that, that layer. So we're not even going to see pretend otherwise. Eric Gray um would, would get the ticket here over Dominic Richardson. With him being banged up, I do think we see a lot more Jade Nixon. We've been calling for Jade Nixon. I think that uh, we're going to see why Jaden Nixon fixed his own blocking scheme better than Dominic Richardson does. So, yes, we win quarterback. They win running back. Let's move on. Number one wide receiver. Would you take Marvin Mims over? Well, our number one wide receiver has been Bryson Green. It was supposed to be Brayden Johnson. Brayden Johnson, who dealt with massive injuries, who by all accounts, not really supposed to play again. He came on strong. He led the Big 12 in receiving for the first five, six weeks. And then he he bit the injury bug. Um, He is 100% ready to rock and and roll for this one. So would you take a healthy Braden Johnson over Marvin Mims? That one's debatable. Okay, so let's say say for devil's advocate, you give the hair to uh, Marvin Mims because he does have 776 yards. Then you go on to the slot position. Is Drake Stoops, a veteran Brendan Presley, or John Paul Richardson? No, I mean that—that's—that's that's not even a question. Drake Stoops does have 222 yards. Drake Stoops is a pretty good slot receiver, but Brendan Presley has a quiet 544 yards. John Paul Richardson has just emerged uh, recently as a focal point, and he's got 430 yards. So we win that that battle, right? Let's move on to the other side of the field. Who are you putting out there uh, to? Kind of be comparable to Jalil Fruit. Well, again, we have Jaden Bray, and not a lot, a lot of people know about Jaden Bray from this season because he hasn't got to play. He is the healthiest he's been all season right now for this game. And I, I expect us to use him a lot, but that's not to mention the fact that Bryson Green has 573 yards. So you would definitely take him over fruit. You get, you get the point here. So Marvin Went Witt- mims is certified, yes. Eric Gray, certified, yes. Dylan Gabriel's actually pretty doggone good. His numbers are very comparable to Spencer Sanders. The difference is in the film. Spencer has some misses, but he's turned down the uh, turned the turnovers uh, way down this season, which is why he was producing at a high clip for such a long time. So let's, keep, let's carry on. Let's go to tight end. This is not even close. This goes to Braden Willis of OU. Uh, Rashad Owens has kind of shifted into that position. Coming into the year, we knew we were going to try to have a massive investment in Blaine Green. He went through injuries and then we had to kind of shift Rashad Owens there um, midway through the season. We've only thrown him the ball one time. So unfortunately that's not an area of the field that we have even tried to expose this year. Uh, We'll keep this thing going, but before we do, I'd be remiss if I didn't explain a little bit more about the underdog fantasy thing. Guys, this is really the easiest way to get into betting. It, it gives you a really good platform and understanding of how it goes if you're not super used to it. But even if you are, the pick em side of things is a little bit different. You pick two to five players, and they don't even have to be from Oklahoma State. They can be from anywhere. And then all you simply have to do is bet whether they're going to finish higher or lower of whatever the prognostication has for that, that specific bet, right? And it really gives you the inner workings of what you should be looking for, which opens you up for bigger types of bets. Some people aren't into the just the, the betting the spread or the over-under. Some people like to, to play with their cards a little bit more. And this is a way to do that. Sign up with promo code locked on, one word locked on at Underdog Fantasy right now. And they will double your first deposit up to $100. Again, go to Underdog Fantasy, use the one word promo code locked on, get that first deposit up to $100. And then you can, uh, you can spread it around to your friends. Guys, it's a fun way to get into it. Get into the college football pick 'em game. All right, so tight end, yes, unfortunately, that's that's nowhere near in our favor. So let's go over to the side of the ball that seems to be the biggest question for both squads. Both squads are, are more than uh, decent on offense. Both squads seem to struggle mightily uh, on defense at different things. So let's go with the, the source that kind of hurts the most for us. I'll just say it right now. Danny Stutzman. Unfortunately, you would take him over Xavier Benson at this very moment. Danny Stutzman has not even tackles. Xavier Benson, he's having a pretty decent season at 58, but you see on film, uh, guys, there's a reason Nick Martin has got more playing time this last couple weeks. It's not because Xavier Benson is untalented. It's because Xavier Benson seems to be out of place quite often. That is not something you see out of Danny Stutzman, okay? So uh, unfortunately, we'd have to give the, uh, the nod there. Yeah, David Uwebu does have 83 tackles. Mason Cobb has 76, 77 tackles. Sorry, Would you take Uwebu over, over Cobb? Not when you factor in tackles for loss. Mason Cobb is number two in the conference in tackles for, for loss, while David Weibu is quite a ways down the sheet there. So yes, you would take Danny Stutzman over Xavier Benson based off of stats. But I don't think you would take Mason Cobb over David Wigbu, even though Wigbu's having a very good season. I think the tackles for loss and the things that you see Mason Cobb do in the backfield disruption-wise are what kind of separates himself. David Wigbu is better at wrapping up and pure form tackling, but Mason Cobb uh, sees the field a little bit better from what I can find in film. So let's keep it going down the list. Uh, Defensive end, would you take Ethan Downs and his 30 tackles over Brock Martin and his 33 tackles? No, especially when you take into the factoring that Brock Martin has not been healthy all year. Um it, it's not that this is a, a mash unit. Um mis, or, uh, excuse, sorry. It's not that, right? But it, it is part of it. You know, when you're playing that many freshmen, it, it's gonna take an effect, okay? But the production, it's still equivalent of the differentiation and record and I think I think we're going to continue to prove that let's go to the other side Uh, the other side defensive end Reggie Grimes would you take Reggie Grimes 17 17 tackles over Colin Oliver's 21 especially knowing that Colin Oliver has been in a a, a massive rotation it's been a good thing for health concerns but it's been a bad thing for productivity uh, for him specifically This is a game where that's not really going to be an option. Colin Oliver is going to be rocking and rolling this entire game, whether he likes it, loves it, hates it, doesn't matter. He's going to be getting far more volume than he's got at any point in time this season other than Iowa State. And what did he do against Iowa State? He showed up a massive, massive amount of times in that fourth quarter. He was literally all over the field. So I think you see that little bit of a carryover. The talent has never been a question. Sometimes I think you can question – The the hesitancy he has on getting mixed up, whether he's going to rush or he's going to drop into coverage. Some of it's obviously called. uh, Some of it may be a little bit, um, I don't know, his choice. But this game, you're going to see, I think, a little bit more of the Colin Oliver you saw last year. In what game? Bedlam. He's an Oki. This matters to him. Same with Jason Taylor. We're not there yet. I'm so sorry to get ahead of myself. Um, Let's go to cornerback. Okay, so would you take Jaden Davis, his 32 tackles, over Corey Black and his 21 tackles? Okay, so that one you got to go a little bit deeper. Corey Black is physically, I think, a little bit more talented than Jordan Davis. He has better size, better length, better reach. Uh, Jordan Davis is more of a pure corner type. But the thing that Corey Black scares me with is he does get away with quite a bit. I don't think it's a lack of talent. I think it's just, you know, I don't know, complacency. Uh, what has been mentioned about him is he gets fatigued sometimes uh, more than normal. And when he gets fatigued, that's when you see some of these mistakes playing. So let's say that's a wash. Okay, so let's go to the other side. Uh, would you take uh, Woody Washington over Jabbar Muhammad? That actually is a very good argument. Woody Washington's a very good football player right? Woody is 49 tackles is very comparable to Jabbar Muhammad's 42 tackles. Again, we have played and shuffled a little bit with some of the nickel type of dime packaging. Um, Sean Michael Flanagan, when he's healthy, he rotates in that, that frame as well. He plays safety a lot as well. You know, he's the guy that kind of just floats all over the field. So he doesn't factor in exactly to these because we're just going over the starters, right? Um, so cornerback is It really is a wash. So what makes the difference there? Well, obviously, it's on the other side of the ball. It's who's at wide receiver. And again, it goes down to, is their wide receiver core better than what our cornerbacks can prepare for? No. Are they better than what our cornerbacks can produce? I don't think so. We're obviously going to find out. But other than Marvin Mims which you know that there's going to be a healthy emphasis of Jabbar Muhammad put on him. That's going to be a fun one to watch just from a, a football uh, perspective. Uh, so let's say, let's say that's a, a, a wash, the corner area. Actually, you know, it's just, we'll go off tackles. We'll say, oh, you has a slight edge in corner, right? Uh, good job, Woody Washington. Let's go over to strong safety. Not even close. It's not even a conversation. Billy Bowman's not a bad ball player by any stretch, but Kendall Daniels, has 57 tackles compared to Billy Moman's 45 tackles, not to mention yet again, Kendall Daniels for the first few weeks of the season was kind of a half starter, half not. Um, You know, the emergence of him over the last few weeks of the season put this, not even a competition, right? It's not even close. Kendall Daniels, maybe one of the only first round grades that we have on a potential defender. I think we could have more, but just physicality, prototype, body type, the way that he plays the game, his speed, his athleticism. He's going to have that NFL body, and clearly he's got the NFL talent. So we win that one. Let's go to free safety. I do know that they started the season with Lawrence Key uh, being the focal point, and then they kind of shifted to Justin Broyles. Justin Broyles did have a little bit of an injury in the West Virginia game, uh, but from what I can tell, I think things are going to be fine. But regardless – whether it's going to be Lawrence Key, has 40 tackles. Or it's going to be Justin Bruce, has 50 tackles. Is that the same compared to Jason Taylor's second, 72 tackles? No. And that's, again, not even taking into consideration how many times you've seen on film Jason Taylor did do some things that purposely got himself out of position. And, again, guys, you're not necessarily taking in Sean Michael Flanagan into this equation. Nor are you taking Lyric Rawls. But we're sticking with, with the starters. Let's go to kicker. Well, Tanner Brown has been a weapon all year, and he continuously leads not only the league in several kicking categories, but nationally, he's up there as well. Uh, He's up for awards, deservedly so. Punter, we had the biggest weapon in the Big 12 at Punter in Tom Hutton. Logan Ward has stepped in admirably the last couple weeks, but it's not the same. So you probably, just off of stats, give the the punt department over to OU. Now let's go to punt return. Is Marvin Mims better at punt return than Brynn Presley? Well, if you watched Bedlam last year, the, the, the answer is probably no. Uh, and I, I expect BP to have a big one. I really do. Because, again, to some of these Okies, like the matchup with Ethan Downs uh, on Brock Martin, it is cool, right? Because there's a lot of other layers. And as we mentioned earlier, Gundy brought up how it's not the same. They don't hate each other like they used to. Well, that's true. But, to play this game, especially at this level, there's a lot of uh, confidence, not necessarily ego, but you know you're the dude. And when you get lined up against somebody else who thinks they are the dude, and then you add the the ramifications of the game, guys, this is a desperation style game for OU. They're in a very, very odd position. They're going to come out like a cornered, scared animal. And it's it's going to be difficult um, overall, especially with the weather. It, it doesn't really suit what we do offensively, which is why we're going to have to change some things, which is why I think it's it's a lazy take to just say, oh, he's going to win because they run the ball really good and OSU can't run the ball at all, right? I mean, again, so we win a quarterback. They win a running back. I think they're st- – Top receiver is ahead of our top receiver, but every other receiver we win. Okay? So they win one. We win like three uh, of, of the wide receivers going down the board. Uh, tight end, they win that one. Gets it pretty close back to even. Linebacker, again, I wouldn't take a boo over Cox because of the tackles for and sacks that Mason Cobb adds to the game that a boo I don't necessarily see does. Now, granted, I have watched far more film on Cobb than a boo, but I just I, I i don't see it the way that Cobb's coming on. If you can fix the form tackling issues, um, then it's not even close. Unfortunately, you got to take Danny Stutzman over Xavier Benson, um, Ethan Downs. Again, I don't think you take him over Brock Martin. You uh, definitely not a healthy Brock Martin. You don't take Reggie Grimes over Colin Oliver. Uh, quarterbacks: Woody Washington. Uh, and Jabbar Muhammad are very, very, very comparable. They're both probably going to have the opportunity to play uh, in the league a little bit later on. Jaden Davis, I trust Corey Black a little bit more. Um, but, okay, so that that that's a wash. Strong safety, we win that one. Free safety, we win that one. Kicker, we win that one. Punt, they win that one. Kick return, Jaden Nixon's still number one in the league, so we win that one. Punt return, uh, we win that one. Again, guys, so is OU's talented? Absolutely. No question. They've still got a bunch of four five-star dudes up and down that roster. And I think that a lot of people just assume that because we've laid so many eggs in the past in this game, especially at times where we have been more talented, which isn't a lot, but like 2013 comes to mind. We should have won that game. We were the better team. And it just didn't work out. And they... Danced all over our field uh, in Boone Pickens. And they came out from the very beginning. I remember watching warmups and I was watching it, I think, Buffalo Wild Wings with a few buddies. And I remember just in warmups, I was like, they look fired up. They look really ready for this. And then you saw our guys warming up and it just, you could, you could on TV, you could just sense there was a difference. There was a different pep in the step of how they were both operating, just pregame. Um, and then, yeah, the game went exactly like you, you feared, and it got away way, way too fast, and it snowballed out of control, and they literally danced on our field, in our end zone, and they made fun of us doing it. That's Stuff like that, you know, it, it makes Bedlam a little bit more intense. Um, but before we close it up, I do have to hop into another sponsor today, which is Nugenics. Guys, we all know what the winning feeling was like when we were younger because it was a lot easier to have that winning feeling, right? They call testosterone the, the man's gene or the winning gene, whatever you whatever. Um, and you know, it just it, it dies a little bit as we all get older. So do yourself a favor and get yourself hooked up with nugenics. They're total T. They can get you right now if you text 231-231. Again, that's 231-231 to get a bottle of Nugenics Thermo uh, with the ingredients to get you into prime time shape right now. And who doesn't want to get in prime time shape in, in weather like this? Because, unfortunately, winter has reared its ugly head and it ain't going nowhere, which is uh, something to talk about. So this weekend, it's going to be ridiculously cold. And who does that favor? Does it favor the the fancy four-star, five-star group in Norman? Especially when you know there is some dissension in the locker room. Not a lot, but there are obviously some holdovers that just don't mess with the team, right? I think that if you're going to talk about about a culture win at any point in time in the season, it has to be now. It has to be this one it has to be Bevum because it is going to be cold and we are going to have to find a way to run the ball, whether we like it or not. If they put 19 guys in the box, we're still going to to find a way to run the ball. So what does it come down to? This is a game where you pay for body by glass. This is a body by glass game. That's what this is. Right, We broke down every position. Everybody and their mom is very well aware that they have a really good running back and our running backs haven't been able to run the ball. And in cold weather, it's going to be hard to chunk it up all the time, especially if your quarterback barely has a shoulder hanging off of his body. So how do we get it done? Well, I do expect to see a little bit of a shift in this zone blocking scheme. Why? Because it's been so predictable. Teams clearly know precisely what we're trying to do because we've been doing it for a few years now. Um, And we don't have the Jalen Warren to exploit some things. And I guess Jaden Nixon has been a little bit banged up as well, which is why you're not seeing him take the bulk of that zone running scheme. So I do expect us to add a couple wrinkles in the running game, this game, to kind of get it going. Jaden Nixon, if healthy, is going to add that extra layer um ollie gordon seems to be ready to rock and roll if dom does go i expect him to run with a little bit of authority but the keys to the game are fairly obvious right we've already covered those the players to watch out for you know i hate to go with just the common but colin oliver has patiently played kind of the second fiddle this season And with both, you know, both the questions surrounding uh, Tyler Lacey, and obviously we don't have Brennan Evers, you're going to see more and more and more Colin Oliver. And he's almost a guy that gets better as the game goes on, right? How many times have we seen him get 25-plus snaps and then be a monster in the fourth quarter? So I actually think that this time, him playing the entire game is going to benefit him. Expect Colin Oliver to have yet another massive fourth quarter to help us get this dub. Jabbar Muhammad, we've already talked about him. He seems to be a common one to to throw out. So we're not going to say Jabbar Muhammad. It's too easy. We're going to go Corey Black. Why? Because if you watch film, Corey does get away with some stuff. He gets away with some ticky-tacky fouls, uh, some not really getting his head around on coverage. So Jabbar Muhammad's going to have the task of locking down Marvin Mims, just like he's had the task all year, and he played very well against Xavier Hutchinson. So, you know, Dylan Gabriel knows that as well. Is he going to give Marvin Mims some opportunities? Absolutely. But if Jabbar Muhammad shuts down some of those opportunities, he's going to have to go to other sides of the field. Theo Weiss, I don't think, has lived up to what everybody thought, but that is another option. So Corey Black on the other side, whether it's against Farouk or Weiss um, or or even if he gets shaded somehow on Stoops, I think the focal point for us should be watch the game that Corey Black has. Because if Jabbar Muhammad does what Jabbar Muhammad has been doing, we're not going to have to worry a lot about Marvin Mims. Is he going to get his a little bit? Yes, he's that good. But Corey Black on the other side is, is what we need to watch out for in this game. And then obviously everyone's gonna say Brent Presley because he had a big game last year and he's an okie and it means a little bit more. Okay, that's true. But I'm gonna throw another one at you. Because of the injuries we have on the D-line, I expect to see a lot more of Nathan Latou. He got his first sack last week. He's he's worked his time in its sore, and he knows he knows the defense, he knows what needs to be done. And I I think maybe just reps is what some of these guys need. And I expect to see a little bit more out of the two, um, definitely more than we've seen all season. So, yeah, I didn't go with the usual suspects um, completely because, you know, Spencer Sanders is going to play a big key and so on and so forth. But to me, Colin Oliver, the the more plays he gets, the more likely it is, I think, that he controls the fourth quarter Brock Martin is going to do his thing. Uh, Jabbar Muhammad is going to do his thing, That is why I think watching Corey Black is going to be massive. Uh, Brent Presley, I feel like he's going to have a good game. Uh, John Paul Richardson might introduce himself to the Sooner Nation. But watch out for Nathan Too, He may not get a bunch of snaps, but the snaps he's in, I feel like he's going to be productive. So, yes, if you're having any reservations on this game, just go position by position. We should win this game. Go deeper into some of the too deep. We should win this game. And then for all of those who are questioning whether it matters or not, if if you even think that, just watch the game. Because even if the players somewhat think that, OU is coming out pissed off. They do not want to lose Bedlam at all, but they definitely don't want to lose Bedlam and then risk them not going to a bowl game. They have a lot to play for. And their players are going to come out pretty fired up about it. And, of course, you know, a lot of them, you know, are still left from last year. So they have that sour taste. Ben Venable's knows how important this game is, uh, not only nationally, but in the state. So he's going to come prepared. When those kids get on the field, it's going to get chippy. Just because of the fact that they don't think that Oklahoma State should be above them. Hardly ever. And they're going to play that way. They're going to play inspired. They're going to play fired up and pissed off. If we can answer in kind, I think our culture shows out in this one. I expect a good one. I expect a W. I'm I'm saying again, 28-21. And, yeah. Guys, jump in. Uh, Let me know uh, position by position if there's something that I missed. Was I being too homery on a couple? Was I not giving OU enough credit in a couple? Like I feel like I feel like what I'm saying is, is accurate because I, I I do the I do the digging for all of us to make sure that not only are we confident for this one, but of course you're gonna be hyped. And if you're lacking any hype, just go back and watch some of the highlights from last game. Go back and watch some of the highlight videos or the hype videos. If it don't give you chills, wait till the game starts. Because I guarantee you, these kids, whether they like each other or not, they want to beat each other. And when it starts to get a little bit chippy, the chippiness will grow. And that bedlam feel will come back real quick, fast, and in a hurry if you thought that it was going anywhere. That's all I got for this one. Tune in. Obviously, tomorrow I'll be doing a halftime show Um, And a post-game show. Post-game show, obviously, uh, we'll be doing locked on. I'm thinking about going live. Um, So if I get enough comments or whatever, I might let that kind of dictate which way I go. But regardless, we'll either go live tomorrow night or we'll do another show. Um, I'm excited for this one. I'm very nervous. I'm not going to lie. The matchup is not great. But player for player, I it gives me a lot more confidence than I had before, before I started doing all this, uh, this digging for the tackles and tackles for lost sacks, all that fun jazz. You know, I think just on face value, I was very concerned that it, it could get ugly quick, but by doing this, I think going position by position pretty yards and tackles and all that, I actually feel a lot better than I did going into it. So yeah, I expect our defense to do some things, I expect our defense to play comparable to, as they did against Iowa State and Texas. Are those the two outliers, or is this the new improved defensive talent uh, starting to show through? Is this the defense we're going to carry into next season? I think we are able to make a statement here because we have to, guys. Thank you again for stopping by and make this your daily dose for all things Oklahoma State Cowboy and Calgary related. Catch me on Twitter, All Day o State, uh, Facebook, o State All Day. Other than that, uh, I will see y'all tomorrow. God bless. Go Pokes. It's Bedlam, baby. We're going to tear it up.